Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And today my guest is Craig Swerdloff, and he is uh, now the Senior Vice President of Email at Experian Data Quality Solutions. That's a, a mouthful of division of Experian. He was the CEO or is the CEO of Leadspend, which was acquired by Experian, and that's that when I first met him. And they're all about email and email quality. So today we're going to talk about email how to good best practices of keeping your email list clean and active, uh, that sort of thing. Welcome to the program, Craig. Thanks for having me, Tim. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, so let's talk about you know first of all you know the importance of email. Um, I mean, you keep hearing about the killer app. This is the killer app. That is the killer app. From where I'm sitting, email seems to be the killer app. It's the one thing we all share. It's also driving. All of those click-throughs from mobile, all the e-commerce stuff, click-throughs on newsletters, it's all being opened in email, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, the death of the email channel is um, certainly talked about uh, w- way too much. It's, it's overkill at this point. The email channel is healthy. It's robust. Uh, people still use it as a primary communications channel, and it isn't going away anytime soon. Okay, but as long as we're on the subject, I mean, there are some longer-term demographics. Uh, I mean, uh, this is what's, what's the old commercials they used to have. I'm dating myself by saying, even saying this, but they ran a line of commercials for TV uh, for cars. It's like, this is not your daddy's Oldsmobile. Well, mm-hmm. you know, if you heard even talking about Oldsmobile, yeah, it is my daddy's Oldsmobile. So the same way, kids don't think email's hip. They're instant messaging. They're doing a lot of other things, but email, email's so 20th century. It's not hip, but it works. And, and so, yes, kids today aren't using email, but as soon as they get a job and enter the real world, then they're going to they're gonna realize that the email, uh, email as a communications channel is critical and they can't do without it. Okay, fair enough. So you know, for certainly for work stuff or professional, it's, it's something that we have to pay attention to but as far as uh, you know, consumer offers and spam filling up our inbox. We're not too thrilled about it. Is that a fair way of saying it? Yeah, although I would say that, that over the last 10 years, you've seen a significant reduction in spam in your inbox as a consumer. I think the ISPs have done a great job of cleaning that stuff out so that you don't have to. Um, so uh, at, one, at one point, I saw the numbers saying you know, 50 60% of emails sent was spam. The more recent numbers, I mean, but that's, uh, and that was mostly reaching inboxes. And now you're saying it's at least effectively being kept out of inboxes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, what inbox you, you, know, you use and, and others use, uh, and I think there's a big difference between providers. I use Gmail as an example. and, and I, I do as my, well, yeah. Yeah, and within my primary inbox at Gmail, I, I would say I don't get any true spam messages. Uh, the, only, the only email that I get that, that some might consider to be spam would be some of the promotional emails from companies that I've signed up for. Uh, but that said, most of that's now in my promotions folder anyway, so... I think it's a much much uh, smaller problem than it was ten or fifteen years ago. The, the, the inbox is largely clutter free at this point. Besides, for of course the emails that you get from people who you just don't necessarily want to be communicating with. Right, right. There's no way. <laughs> I mean, if your email is out there, that they can reach out to you. It's a public address, right? Um, yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Okay. Well, so so, but let's that that actually is a is a great segue into another topic, which is you know wanting to hear from people versus uh, you know spam and opt in and privacy and that whole ball of wax. So let's let's explore that a little bit. I know that I was uh, kind of shocked when I was in in Germany and I know the UK to a lesser degree compared to the US. I mean, those guys take you know, internet privacy very seriously. I mean, if you send someone an unsolicited email, you know, lawyers can go after you. Yeah. Well, it is true. Uh, the U.S. Uh, passed can spam in 2002 largely to, to deal with this issue. I think it was uh, the, the bill itself was um, uh, pretty much so lax that it, it didn't really change much of, of anything. Uh, but but yeah, the, the laws are getting tougher. And, and in fact, it isn't um, that the the laws in Europe or Germany in, in particular are um, are you know not too difficult to deal with for us in the U.S. simply because we, we don't have to abide by them, but the law in Canada that's coming up that that was just recently uh, went into effect in in July, which is Castle, the Canadian anti-spam law, uh, creates such a high burden of of proof in terms of explicit opt-in that uh, and because you don't know who are Canadian customers and who aren't. Uh, it almost becomes the new de facto, you know, sort of minimal uh, permission level for all of your subscribers. So it, it, we're starting to see tougher laws internationally for sure. Okay, so that's kind of like in the U.S. If you know, car emissions, uh, you know, California <clears throat> Air Resources Board sets its own standards, and they're stricter than the other 49 states. So if you want to sell a car in the U.S. and it's California is too big a market to ignore, you have to essentially have. California is dictating and overruling the federal guidelines. They're tougher than the feds, and everyone yep. has to build cars to that standard. But I don't get the sense – I mean, no offense to my Canadian friends. We, we love folks from the 51st state, but um, they're not the same kind of world power in terms of email dominance or population size or anything. Um, so why should I care about you know, the Canadian um, anti-spam laws? Because it's hard to know when you're dealing with a Canadian customer um, or a Canadian email user. Uh, so if somebody comes to your website and signs up or comes into your store, let, let's say you have a store in New York and they sign up at your store and they make a purchase and they give you their email address. Right. Uh, it, it's relatively uh, difficult to know that they're a Canadian subscriber. And so yeah, yeah it's impossible. Was, I mean, so right. So. Well. Yeah, there there might be um, there might be. So, for example, you can look up their IP address, and based on their IP address, you can determine um, generally what country they live in. Um, or if they use an email address with a .ca at the end of it, then that that would sure, be pretty sure. obvious as well. Yeah. But your point: if they're a Gmail subscriber and their IP address to AOL uh, or some third party service where you can't tell that it, that the user is originating in, in Canada, uh, it's unclear in this law sort of whether or not the, the retailer has to provide or the, the marketer has to provide the burden of proof in terms of they, there was no way to know that that, that user was in Canada. And so uh, the, the net result of that, at least today, and, and obviously there's no case law, the, the law hasn't been enforced yet, um, and so once that happens, things will change, we'll get more clarity. But until then, it's really hard to know um, kind of where the law, law line is going to be drawn. And so the net effect of it is that most marketers, most email marketers, are going to have to uh, acquire explicit opt-in from subscribers so they can't do pre-check boxes. They're going to have to ask people to check a box in order to sign up. They're going to have to make their intentions explicit around what they're going to do with their email address. 
Um, and they may even have to disclose the specific types of partners that they're going to share those email addresses with. Uh, and so the, the burden um, shifts to the marketer significantly as a result of this law than it, than it did before. Okay, so basically, you, you are, are you suggesting that all U.S. companies now should hold themselves to this higher opt-in standard? I, I don't think they're going to have much of a choice, Tim, to be honest with you. It will be interesting to see how it plays out once they start enforcing the law. Uh, but as you know, and you mentioned the 51st state, the, the Canadian government and the U.S. government have a very close relationship. And so there's no doubt that the um, Canadian um, enforcement agencies will go after U.S. companies if they if they don't abide by the Canadian anti-spam law. Well, okay, and so what are what are the, the consequences of this? Say somebody unintentionally steps afoul of this, so, you know, what, what can happen? There, there's significant consequences, both, um, uh, you know, fines and enforcement at the federal level within Canada, as well as the potential for civil liability. Uh, so it's unclear. But if, but if I don't operate in Canada, well, again, just let's take my own company. I'm a, you know, we're a consultancy professional services. We operate in the, uh, with uh, all over the world. I mean, we have clients worldwide. But uh, if we send something and some, you know, two percent of my list is Canadians, then what? It doesn't matter where you operate, Tim. It, it only matters where you're sending email to. And so, if you send email to a Canadian subscriber who didn't explicitly opt in for your email then you are liable under the Canadian anti-spam law. And, and it's almost impossible, to your point, to know whether that user or that subscriber is in Canada. Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm not – but well, yeah. and there, well, therefore, you know, I have to throw away my whole list and start clean and start with tighter permissions. I mean, that's not going to happen. Uh, companies are consider their email list often their crown jewels, and some of it, you know, policies change, and going forward, people collect data with more stringent requirements, but they don't go back and, you know, blow up their existing list just because there's a new higher standard now. Yeah, well, there's an exception for uh, data collected before the, the law went into effect in July, but they only give you a two-year window, essentially, to get your, your, your legacy list in compliance. Mm. Sorry, we'll, we'll explore this maybe a little bit right after our, our break here, but uh, I'm just questioning whether this is a, an overreach or not. So we'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. ZoSocial is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let ZoSocial give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, talking today with Craig Swerdloff, uh, the CEO of the Lead Spend Division of Experian Data Quality Solutions. Uh, Craig, so again, just uh, we're talking about the strict Canadian anti-spam law. And um, you know, one of the things that... Uh, I mentioned is okay. So if I'm a company operating in the U.S. and um, you know um, happen to send an unintentional email to somebody that didn't exactly opt in uh, according to the Canadian new standards, um, they can't go after a U.S. company. I mean, what's what specifically could they could they do to me? I mean, you'd have to have be some egregious spammer and practice for this to be an issue. The, right? I mean, so the Canadian government's got better things to do than to tend to than to piss off. Uh, companies all over the world that are trying to communicate with their citizens. Well, I, I think that that's wishful thinking. I, I think the reality is that the Canadian government wants to set the standard for anti-spam law in the world, and I think they're looking at their 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 act, the Canadian anti-spam law, um, as the sort of gold standard for um, uh, fighting spam uh, globally. And I have no doubt that when uh, Castle starts being enforced, that they will go after um, big brand marketers uh, first to sort of set the standard to give people notice that they're serious about enforcing this. Um, I think you're, you're absolutely right that, uh, that the folks that are, are the most egregious uh, violators of the law are the ones that are going to um, have uh, in the long term the biggest issue. Um, but I think without a doubt, uh, every marketer needs to adjust how they're collecting data and how they're generating permission to mail that data, uh, or, or they will find, um, or at least a good portion of them will find that they're uh, subject to uh, um, risk around, you know, civil civil action and uh, potential federal action in the Canadian law. All right, so let's move from uh, the law itself to uh, just good good email hygiene. How do you um, have a good opt-in process? What are your recommendations around? Uh, Know how to do that, and uh, obviously uh, still get as many people on your mailing list as possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, so you have to you have to get explicit opt in. You've got to ask people if they want to receive your mail. You have to tell them what the intention is and what you plan to do with their email address. And if you know, and, and you have to get that. But but obviously, to your point, that will affect conversion rates. People 
when being explicitly asked uh, to opt in to receive certain things are less likely to do so than uh, if the if the opt in is implied and and they simply uh, don't have to take any action. So there will be an effect uh, uh, to that uh, without a doubt on on overall conversion rates. So marketers need to be a little bit more careful about when they ask for that permission uh, earlier in the funnel or later in the funnel in order to uh, you know optimize for for opt in, but also to limit abandonment within the within the conversion process. Yeah, so it sounds like if you have a content marketing strategy, which most companies in this day and age should or do, um, you'll have to really rethink what you want to gate behind an email collection. You know, will require where an email is required versus what you should give away without an email, perhaps. Absolutely, I think that's very true. And and then the other point I want to make, which um, somewhat self-serving, but. You know, the reality is that when you do get an opportunity to collect an email address, you, you want to make sure that you collect a valid email address. And so utilizing tools like the real-time email validation uh, upfront on a registration form or at the point of sale or in a call center allows you to ensure that the email address you're collecting from that consumer is a, is a valid deliverable email address. We see this all too often, especially in retail where people are collecting email addresses at the point of sale and either they're just rushing to, to write down the email address to get through the checkout process or the consumer just mistypes their domain like Yahoo with one O or Gmail without the L and, and it happens all the time and it's, a, it's obviously a missed opportunity today but that, that opportunity, that, that cost of that opportunity becomes significantly higher uh, later on when you've got to have explicit opt-in. If you can't get a correct email address, then, then you, you've missed a big opportunity. Yeah, and, and we're, we're big fans of real-time email validation, and uh, we recommend your services to many of our clients uh, on appropriate. Uh, so just to kind of uh, fill folks in, basically when someone's filling out your form in real-time or near real-time, you, you make sure that that's a valid email address, and if it's not, your option is essentially to ask them for another one or to correct that one. Is that basically it that that's correct i mean you could prompt them while they're there so our our service in particular works uh as as a consumer enters their email address and then tabs or clicks to the next field if the email address is invalid it'll prompt them to fix it and it'll provide for suggested correction if one's available so if they mistyped yahoo with one o instead of two it would prompt them to fix it and then it would say did you mean yahoo with two o's Right, so it's so kind of just a suggestive autocorrect and uh, just helping them clean up their own mess. But so is that? But so basically, the idea is that since email addresses are critical and they're becoming, in effect, more expensive and rarer and harder to get, when you do get one, make sure it's a workable one. Exactly. So if we so if we look at that, um, you know, what does it mean to have a good email address? I mean, besides it being not malformed. Uh, in terms of syntax, that you know, it's it's actually you know something at something dot something. Uh, you know, what else uh, are you checking for? Sure. So the the first thing is we're making sure the email is properly formed, as you mentioned. Uh, we're also checking that the domain is valid. So if if I give uh, my email address, for example, cswordloff at leadspend dot com, uh, we're going to check to make sure leadspend dot com is a valid domain. And then we're going to check that there's a mail server connected at that domain. Um, and we're going to connect to that mail server via SMTP, which is Simple Mail Transfer Protocol, the same language that 
servers have been using to, to communicate with email back and forth since the 70s. Uh, we're going to connect to that mail server and we're going to ask the mail server if the username portion of the email address, so C Swordloff, uh, exists. And so the mail server will either say, yes, it does, go ahead, or, or no, it doesn't, um, and uh, in which case it, it's informative in terms of whether the email is a valid one or not. Okay, well, this all sounds wonderful, but now you're depending on the mail servers before you can validate the address. So how long does this whole process typically take? Yeah, it, 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 can, take, you know, uh, it can take anything from a, a few milliseconds to several seconds, depending on the mail server. Uh, you know, the biggest mail servers like Gmail are super quick, and then uh, smaller company uh, mail servers take significantly longer. Um, so you are sort of wa- you are dependent on response times from the third-party mail server. That said, you, you know you can set a timeout on the call, so you, you can say I'm only willing to wait a couple of seconds. Okay, and, and and what's typical? I mean, if someone's filling out a form, is it possible if you put the email first that by the time they get down to the bottom of the form, even if you form fields after that, you'll have time to validate it, right? So you don't have to do it right on. You can start it as soon as they complete the field, but you don't have to finish until they complete the form. That's that right. And we, you know, that's why we recommend that people use the bind the service directly to the email field and not to the submit button. Uh, but on average, it takes about a half a second, Tim, and then you can set a timeout uh, so that you don't want to wait more than three seconds, for example. And typically, you know, even if you have one additional field after the email address field, three seconds gonna, is more than enough time. Yeah, it's going to take that long for them to fill out the rest of the form, essentially. Exactly. Okay, so now, but then, um, then there's the question of okay, there's a valid address, and then there's one I want as a business. Can you set any kind of rules to kind of bias people towards giving you better email addresses? Because most of us have at least one additional throwaway address that we use just for these kind of situations. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and uh, so you you can in terms of informing the customer up front on what the the use of that email address will be and and why it's important that they give you a primary email address. Uh, that said, I, I've come across some really interesting data recently, Tim, which uh, kind of puts things a little bit on their head in terms of the quality of email addresses and the uses. So um, we recently pulled together, for example, I was running some tests to see. We, we had gotten some data that, that uh, is being utilized by uh, spammers and, and mailers uh, sort of globally. And you would expect that email addresses that are on these lists to be significantly less valuable because obviously they're just getting a lot of spam. Uh, but we ran some test data through some of our partners and what we found was that interesting in the sense that some of these email addresses were quite more valuable, quite a bit more valuable than, than the average. Uh, so... Uh, people utilizing email addresses uh, that that are that are signing up for lots of different things online. Uh, apparently, they tend to be just more receptive to things in general uh, via email, and so therefore, the, they can the, be there's stuff. one there's a sucker born every minute, and they're willing to to take <laughs> uh, everybody up on their offer. So yeah, that's a valuable address. All right. Well, unfortunately, we have to uh, break again, and we'll, we'll pick things up after the break. Yeah. So Craig, I know you're you're a bit of a runner, so after the break, we'll explore. Your crazy antics of running in New York City during Hurricane Sandy. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. 
Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. We can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. My guest is Craig Swerdloff, uh, CEO of LeadSpend, an Experian data quality solutions company. Uh, Craig, so I know you're a bit of a runner. You've run a couple of marathons. Not a bit of a runner, much more of a runner than me. But uh, so when you did, when when the New York City Marathon was canceled during Hurricane Sandy, you still went for a run. <laughs> Ex- explain this crazy behavior. Well, it, it, I would like to say that I ran during the hurricane itself, but that that's not true. I, I probably would have been swimming, not running. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, it, it's true that hur- the, the hurricane was a very unfortunate event, obviously, and affected a lot of New Yorkers worse than it did me. But um, you know, not not getting to run the marathon that year was was uh, a sad sad event, and um, there were a lot of people in from all over the world to run the marathon that weekend. And so it was very interesting. That Sunday, I wound up going into the city and uh, just running around the island and doing my twenty six miles. And I ran into people from all over the world who uh, were there for the marathon and, and um, were just so happy to be out running and, and doing what they could to support 
uh, folks who were affected by by the hurricane uh, more dramatically. So it was it was a great experience, and I met a lot of great people that day. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, quite a kind of ad hoc community that was formed around that that tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, so let's let's turn our eyes towards um, you know kind of uh, avoiding. Um, Spam. I mean, uh, or avoiding being a spammer. Uh, now, most of us are on the definitely not on the uh, the black side of spamming. Uh, I don't think any of us intend to spam. But what would you say is just kind of borderline behavior that regular companies uh, engage in that that you would say you know stay away from this kind of behavior? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, the reality is that there is a war that goes on every day between spammers and ISPs, uh, which are you know the the mailbox providers like AOL, Gmail, Yahoo, etc. And there is a war that goes on. Those ISPs spend significant resources uh, defending their users' inboxes from spam, and we are all sort of caught up in the middle of of that war uh, because. You know, we do things that that uh, potentially might look like spam, uh, and and can result in in us being treated like spammers, having our mail blocked or filtered out of the inbox uh, altogether. And so that's just part of the byproduct of this ongoing war that that occurs every day behind the scenes between. Okay, spammers. so so what can we do to kind of what are questionable things that we uh, we as regular companies should be avoiding? Well, you just want to avoid anything that's going to make you look like a spammer. So some of those things are purchasing lists, for example. When you acquire a list of email addresses off the Internet, uh, it, it is very likely that those email addresses are already being bought and sold by spammers uh, and being used uh, with, with uh, you know unintended consequences. And so the result of that is that you start sending to emails that are potentially spam traps. You have high complaint rates. Uh, unknown users, and and all of those things are monitored by the receivers, and so you start to look like a spammer. So definitely no purchasing of lists, Tim. Okay. What else? Well, uh, you know, if you're uh, collecting third-party leads from from third-party websites or or an event, you want to make sure that you're getting those email addresses correct. You know, as we talked about earlier, validation at the point of collection is important, it's important because if you start sending email to Yahoo addresses that don't exist simply because your customers mistyped them or you didn't bother to verify them, if you start doing that in a significant way, it, you know it's essentially an abuse of resources to the ISP. If you're Yahoo, okay, so, so, so they're undeliverable and a bunch of things are bouncing, and so you notice a lot of bounces coming from Tim Tim's Company dot com, and all of a sudden again you look like a spammer. Yeah, yeah, Yahoo or AOL or Gmail is going to start filtering your mail or blocking you because you look like a spammer. So, you know, utilizing verification is critical. Taking okay, the so, so, so sorry, just real quick. So, I mean, the, we talked about cleaning the emails or collecting a good one in the first place. Say you didn't do that, but you can take your full current list and after the fact, scrub it and make sure that it's which part, know which parts of it are deliverable and which parts aren't, right? Yeah, well, when you're sending email, you're, you're actually identifying which email addresses are deliverable and which aren't. So if you're actively mailing your list, then, then you don't need to verify the email addresses uh, to see if they're deliverable or not. Um, but there may be some, some spam trap ad- addresses in your database today that you're unaware of that are in there that are negatively affecting your sender reputation. Uh, and so we're not a spam trap identification service, but we do identify some. 
And so even a few can really negatively impact sender reputation. So okay, there so, wait, so there are other services yeah. where they, you know, people will actually you know, d- take out all known spam trap addresses? I wasn't no, aware it's, of that. Yeah, it's, it's actually – there's no way to actually identify all known spam addresses. The anti-spam community is uh, particularly tight-lipped about which email addresses are traps. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, if you hit one, you, they don't even tell you which one it was. So there's no way to identify them all. There are services that um, can help you identify high-risk email addresses that may be deliverable but are still high-risk. Okay. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's impossible to identify them, uh, identify all of them. Well, this has been a fascinating journey into email land. Uh, Craig, I appreciate you being on the show. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, so thanks again. Uh, really yeah, appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again, Tim. This was great. Absolutely. And for our loyal listeners, uh, we'll see you on the flip side. And uh, October 4th is the deadline for conversion conference early bird rate. I'll see if I can extend that a little bit. But if you want to go to next May's conversion conference, the only one in the U.S. in Las Vegas, uh, check out conversionconference.com. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.